Welcome back to Material World, where we dig into the stories behind all the things you spend your money on. I'm Jenny Kaplan. I cover all the things you drink and smoke for Bloomberg News. And I'm Lindsay Rep. I write about all the stores in the mall for Bloomberg. Happy New Year to all of you listening. It's really great to be back. Yes, and we have a very exciting season in store for you. We decided it was only right to start our 2017 coverage at the basics. So today, we want to talk to you about underwear. For ladies and gentlemen, the world of undergarments is going through some serious changes. Underwear has been a basic garment since its invention, and the biggest innovations have really been in cut boxers or briefs, bikinis or boy shorts. Technology has been disrupting all parts of the fashion industry, and many upstart companies are taking a second look at underwear. Moisture wicking and absorbent fabrics, bolder colors and cuts, and online ordering have increased spending in the segment. Changes in such tech, fabric, and appearance are adding to function, and it's a really big market. How big? Well, the global men's underwear market is expected to reach $11 billion in 2020. That may not sound like a lot, but it's up from $8.4 billion in 2015, according to Persistence Market Research. That's a 31% jump, and it dwarfs the expected 14% overall growth in men's apparel to $33 billion in 2020, according to Edited. One company that's trying to drive the transformation of the men's underwear market is aptly named My Package. Launched in 2009, My Package uses patented keyhole technology to offer men more comfortable undies and stylish cuts and colors. Their design keeps men from having to um, adjust in public, but the company's also been able to capitalize on the new attention men are paying to their undergarments. Here's Des Price, creative director for My Package. It's been stagnant for so long. I mean, let's look at Calvin Klein, one of the biggest companies in the world when it comes to underwear. Underwear has been an accessory of a whole other line that they've carried. It's literally just this thing at the end, but it's just one of those categories that once it started, men have now started to focus on it when before there was literally nothing. It was just women going out and buying a package that was had a sexy dude with six pack on there because that's what they were marketing to. You know, we came in and disrupted the market a little bit. We don't put guys on our under on our boxes because guys don't want to look at other guys when they're buying underwear. I mean, maybe some, again, I'm not going to say for everybody, but for a lot of us, it's just, we just want great fabric, great product, great technology. And, you know, we want to make sure that when we're paying an increase compared to what we paid before, we're getting that quality that's going to last and we're getting that comfort that we don't have to worry about any shifting or adjusting during the day. For a long time, common perception was that women were buying underwear for men because they were sick of seeing holes in their husband's boxers. That's starting to change, according to Tom Patterson, the founder of Tommy John. Patterson was a medical device salesman who says he had an epiphany that underwear doesn't need to be uncomfortable or stinky. Tommy John started off marketing specifically to women to buy underwear for men, but since they've seen a shift. In 2008, when we started, 65% of men's underwear was bought by women. Hey, honey, I'm going to the store. Oh, I need some underwear and socks. And they look for three things. They look for an attractive model in the packaging. They look for the brand that they recognize everywhere. Or three, they look for the brand that their husband's been wearing for the last 10 to 40 years because she knows he doesn't like to change. 
So no one knew us. No one knew Tommy John at retail. So we did a survey, and we couldn't find any women that didn't like Tiffany's jewelry and chocolate. So on our packaging, we used a, a, a similar blue color with a chocolate color palette and a good-looking guy to attract women to our packaging, mm-hmm. and that was extremely successful for us at retail. We won some packaging awards, and it was a way for us to stand out among a very competitive. Uh, I guess, field within department stores. Now I think the market has shifted where it was 36% of men's underwear was bought by women in 2015. I actually think it would be less than 10% by, by 2018. The reason is I think guys are taking more ownership and they're enjoying making their purchases now more yeah. than ever. Uh, and I think they've just assumed that responsibility. For the record, not every woman likes chocolate and diamonds, hashtag not all women. But it does seem like a lot is brewing in the space. We took a trip to the Bloomingdale's underwear department with our colleague Matt Townsend, who covers retail. The men's section was littered with products advertising more technologically advanced fabrics and patented comfort technologies. There's something going on here with underwear. There's been a lot of brands come into the underwear market and basically the idea is men, they think, are looking for more benefits from their underwear. Um, they want innovation in their underwear. Um, and if you know if there's all these companies making these products, you think that'd be the case. And so there's no longer just the general tidy whiteies and boxers. There's all different kinds of colors and price points and other kinds of sort of you know innovations that they quote are bringing to underwear of all things. Um, so it's it's a kind of telling thing that something you take for granted, especially men take for granted, that most men never probably thought more than a couple seconds about what underwear they buy. There's now all these choices and a big sort of booming business around a lot of these brands, startups and you know the longstanding brands like a Calvin Klein going into this market and saying, we're, we can get a guy to spend 30 bucks, 40 bucks and upwards for one pair of underwear. Where before, maybe they'd spend 30 bucks for three or four pairs of underwear. For the makers of innovative men's underwear, those changes are validating the idea that men are putting more stock in every piece of their clothing, starting with the basics. I mean, we always say that because with, at my package that, you know, underwear is the first thing you put on in the morning, so you have permission to go have a good day. And I think that kind of all now all of a sudden starts uh, the men's day from day, like from the first thing he puts on rather than it being just a old school tidy whities and then worrying about jeans and shirts and everything else that kind of goes with it. There's, the beauty of men is they're, they're very hard to change. They're very set in their ways. But if you get them to change or try another brand, you usually get one shot. And either they love it and they'll switch or something didn't work and they're going to go back to what's safe because they know it will do what it's been doing. Um, but if you can get it to change, I would argue that men are more loyal consumers than women. Let's not forget the ladies. Despite the innovation that's happened in bras, Women's underpants haven't changed that much from a technological standpoint. That's right. I cover a lot of the women's underwear makers like Victoria's Secret and Hanes, and they've really been focused on bras, making that a better piece of equipment, a better experience for women. Women's underwear has really been more about what women think men want to see on them or, you know, reducing the seams so that they're a little bit more comfortable. But it really hasn't been a heavy focus on technology and innovation for women's underwear. In fact, when we went to Bloomingdale's to look through women's lingerie, the most technologically advanced garments were in the Spanx section. 
it does seem like that's starting to change. One woman is taking that challenge on and designing underwear specifically to address female needs. To hear about the latest innovations in women's underwear, we talked with Mickey Agrawal, founder of Thinks. Thinks calls themselves period-proof panties, and they're designed to be worn in place of or in addition to other feminine hygiene products like a tampon or a pad. The question became, like, how is it possible that in this day and age of innovation, how are we as women still dealing and leaking and having these accidents? So I looked to the marketplace and discovered that, you know, that the feminine hygiene category is a $19 billion category. And there'd only been three major innovations in the entire 20th century. Tampons in 1931, pads, they put the adhesive strip underneath the pad, which eliminated menstrual belts, clips, and pins in 1969. And then menstrual cups in the 80s, you know, was really popularization in the 80s. That's it. And so there was really a huge opportunity to look at this, this category, $19 billion category, plus the $14 billion underwear category, you know, that was only being made more flimsy, more sexy, more see-through, more lacy, more unsupportive for women, you know, really made for the male gaze and actually not functional for women. There really was a need for this marriage between sort of form and function, something that looked and felt great. I want to wear a pair of underwear that makes me feel sexy and beautiful and wonderful, but I also need to make sure that it has special technology built within it. And so we spent three and a half years developing this patented technology inside women's underwear that make the underwear wear leak-proof. You'll never worry about leaking through them. They're breathable still, so you'll, if you know yeast infections. Um, they're absorbent. They absorb up to two full tampons worth of blood. So if you ever have any overflow or if you have any spotting, if you have an IUD in, then you don't have to worry about ever having an accident. Um, they are antimicrobial, so there's no germs and it also eliminates odor. And then they're moisture-wicking, so you feel dry. If you like, Kind of like when you wear a pad and you bleed into them, they, they feel like you don't feel wet necessarily. They're bulky and terrible and they get caught in your hairs and it sucks. But our underwear is not bulky at all. It literally looks and feels like a regular pair of underwear, but you don't feel dry. You don't leak through. It absorbs. It's odorless. It's antimicrobial. It just does the job. But it hasn't been easy. It took the company three and a half years to develop the technology and then they had to raise funds and awareness. We spent three and a half years calling people and cold calling different technology scientists and different create, you know, people who have built things in like outerwear, antimicrobial technology or like moisture wicking technology for different types of fabrics that were invented before for other things. You know, never had it been done for underwear. And so we had to really find the technologists, you know, fabric technologists to really create that. Women and, and girls like, get it. Like they're like, obviously, like yeah, period underwear that makes so much sense in the world. If it feels good, looks good, and works, I'm in. You know, um, but like most of the tech technologists, even were men. You know, and so getting men convinced to you know what you're doing that's never they've never even understood why it's important was the hardest thing. From an investment standpoint, from a uh, development standpoint, from just every angle, really. Even if your startup product works, that doesn't mean it'll be an instant success. Not only do these companies face competition from other startups and mainstream retailers, they also have to convince consumers to change the way they've been buying a fundamental item for their entire lives. Here's Matt on what they're up against. With a lot of this stuff where it's basically a a product category is being disrupted because either the startups come in or the big brands and say, we need to rethink this whole thing, it can go too far where you push benefits, you try to raise price points that 
eventually consumers just balk and say, eh, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Um, so that's one thing to think about. I mean, $70 for one pair of underwear, I mean, it seems like, a, you know, a little much. And trying to convince all these guys that this product they've been buying for so cheaply for so long and wearing it out till there's holes in it that they need to start spending more money on it, it might you know, there might, might be there for some guys and some part of the, of, of the population, but probably not all, and it could go too far. The idea that you're trying to get people to fundamentally rethink a product they've been wearing since they were, you know, basically alive, underwear, and to say, I should be able to get more out of my underwear. I mean, it really is a pretty monumental task, and the fact that they've developed this market is pretty interesting because it kind of just goes to the point that consumers expect more out of all their products, even something like underwear. You know, I did a story a while ago about uh, Chuck Taylor's, and the whole idea was Converse, which is owned by Nike, looked at Chuck's and said, we don't really have any benefits to offer the consumer. I mean, it's basically just like a cool shoe. We need to do something to sort of give it a benefit story where it can compete with other kinds of shoes. And just the whole idea that consumers want more innovation, they expect, even if it's just kind of uh, benefits that aren't real or just kind of marketing. They want to just feel like they're getting more. It kind of adds to the value equation. And that seems what's happening with underwear. Um. Mickey Agarwal sees innovation in women's underwear as an opportunity that numbers in the billions. Billions, either, all, all of them. I mean, if we, if we become the number one feminine hygiene company in the world, I mean, $19 billion category. We're really the one of the only, we're really the only feminine hygiene brand that's talking to people in a new, innovative way. And it's talking about it with a real innovation. So with so much money at stake, what are the chances that these new companies actually take off? Will the technological changes convince people to pull out their wallets? It's one thing to talk about the suppliers and how much they believe in the products they're selling. But do they actually feel different? Do people want their underwear to feel different? And what would it take for them to make the switch? We decided to find out. So we formed kind of an unscientific focus group of a couple of our colleagues here at Bloomberg. Matt and Craig Giamona, our colleague who covers the big packaged food companies, tested my package boxer briefs. And Jing Cao, who writes about East Coast technology and startups, put things through its paces. Jing, you tried things for us. What did you think? So I think that in the in this case, a, you have the utility that Thinks offers beyond what is just underwear. And then B, you also do have this fairly high price point that you kind of have to juggle in your head whether it's worth it or not. So I had worn it over the course of a few days, maybe two or three times, and I hand washed it. And I was really surprised at how easy it was to use. Um, I mean, it just was a regular pair of underwear. And the only awkward thing about it, I guess, was on the underwear itself, it says real menstruating human, um, which made me feel a little strange when I was changing in the locker room to work out. Interesting. But did you like it overall? I actually am contemplating buying another pair. Uh, it definitely made my life a lot easier. Um, and to not have to think about just thinking in the long term to not to ever have to buy, you know, the items that a woman usually needs ever again would be a really, really great prospect. My one concern is I don't know how long these the pairs of underwear would last in the long term because I've only tried it one once or twice. So if it becomes less effective over time, like let's say a year down the road, then I don't know that I would have to think about whether it's worth it or not. Matt, what did you think? 
Uh, well, when I initially put them on, um, this is the my package underwear that has the keyhole pouch technology. Uh, it was a little weird because there was, I guess, support uh, where I'm not used to having support. And um, it kind of seemed okay, but after wearing them throughout the day, um, it sort of felt more like I was wearing a jock strap, um, which I'm not particularly too keen on. So I guess my takeaway was that um, definitely, you know, a more supportive sort of firm feel, but not really what I'm into. And so I probably wouldn't buy these on my own. Um, also, the fact that I guess they're around $30 a pair seems like a lot. Um, so for me, yeah, the, it just wasn't something I felt like I needed. Is that the cut you typically wear of underwear? Like is, uh, you know, is a boxer brief something you would normally wear or was that different for you? Yeah, also? no, they they were boxer briefs and that's that's what I wear uh, for the most part. So, but not to say maybe I could get used to it over time, but you know, um, I have since tried out some other new kinds of quote innovative underwear that I did like. So maybe it was just this specific brand that isn't my style. What about you, Craig? Uh, you know, I, I thought they were very comfortable. Um, I generally like them. You know, it has it doesn't have a flap in the front. I'm not sure that's a deal breaker for me, but that would definitely be a consideration. And then the price, I, you know, $30 or even $20 for a pair of underwear seems a little steep for me. I definitely thought they were comfortable, something nice to add to the rotation, but I'm not sure that... Um, that I would go out. That's just a lot for me to spend in general for underwear. Do you think that these new kinds of underwear for men and women, or men or women, um, do you think that these are kind of going to be the iPhone to old underwear's flip phone? Like, is this where the whole market is moving? I, I think so. I mean, you know, Craig seems like a skeptic, but... Once you try something that resonates, like you're not going to go back. Now, granted, spending $45 on a pair maybe isn't for everyone, but spending 15 or maybe 20 on a, a good pair of underwear that lasts and you sort of get a sense that like it's doing something for you. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's the way it's going. And I, and, you know, we all cover consumers and, you know, companies that are trying to sell things. And what do we hear over and over again? It's like, consumers want value and value is not just a low price it's something that brings some sort of benefit other than you know just what you're traditionally like a low price or something like that i mean i i am a little skeptical of the price point but i think you know i cover food and i i can see some analogies to kind of well here's this food product you know it's uh made it's gluten-free it's non-gmo you know, it's a bag of chips that's a little bit better for you than your standard 99 cent bag of chips. So how much does that bag of chip cost? Well, right now it's $5. So the market for that at $5 is pretty small. You get that to 250 Now maybe there's another group of people that are willing to sort of trade up because the price gap has come down. So I think Matt's right. I mean, people want a good deal. They want value. People are definitely interested, I think, in spending money for something that they believe is better and if it functions well. And I mean, certainly underwear... It's like sheets or socks or these things that you have to interact with on a daily basis. People do want them to be good and comfortable. So, you know, at $40, I don't know, at 30 you know, maybe there's a couple more people taking a look. If they start doing, you know, maybe it's three for 40 or something like that, I think you'll, you'll bring more and more people into the fold. So the more functional it gets, the more people will be interested. And if that price point comes down, there will be a market, I think. 
I want to take your question from a slightly different angle. So I, one can argue that the iPhone became really, really big and popular because it had an amazing branding message, right? Like Apple went out and they marketed the crap out of the iPhone, right? And in the same way, if you look at a lot of these different underwear companies, the ones that have, I think, that have really taken um, on and, and they're starting to take off are the ones that have a very strong branding message. You know, whether it's things with this is this is the period underwear. This is the period underwear. Like when and when inevitably a competitor comes out with their own version of the Thinks underwear, if Thinks at that point has a strong enough brand where consumers will associate Thinks with the period underwear, then it's more likely that they'll want to stay with the brand that they already know and have come to love. Right. And it's the same. I think it's the same for a lot of these men's underwear, too, where they can have this messaging around comfort or they can have this messaging around luxury. And if that brand messaging catches on, then they have longevity. listening to this episode of Material World. Check out our other episodes on Bloomberg.com, iTunes.com slash Material World, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan and Lindsay's at LC Rupp. You can check out Des Price's company at My Package with no C and check out news about all of Think's founder Mickey Agarwal's ventures at Twin Mickey, M-I-K-I. Follow our colleague Matt at Matt underscore Townsend and check out his accompanying print story about the changes in the men's underwear market on Bloomberg.com. Material World is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of Bloomberg podcast is Alec McCabe. We'll be back in two weeks. Liquid, game-changing, pure luxury, sleek, slimming, performance, Swiss-made.